Hi, I'm Patrick Finley. He's Mark Potash. Welcome to How It's Intrigued, the Chicago Bears podcast. We're Potsy. On this episode, we will talk about what the Bears did in the first couple hours of free agency, what they have left to do, and what the NFC North is shaping up to look like. All of that and more coming up on Hallis Intrigue. Potsy, as we sit here right now, it is 7 p.m. on a Monday. Uh, there's been about eight hours of legal tampering going on, and the Bears have three acquisitions. Uh, they picked up weak side linebacker Tremaine Edmonds, who uh, came from the Bills as a two-time Pro Bowler. Uh, they got TJ Edwards, uh, who was the Eagles' middle linebacker, and they landed Titans guard Nate Davis. What grabs you about that? Is there a headline among the three? Well, I think the biggest take is that I thought the Bears, if they were going to ever splurge, it would be on the offensive and defensive line, and they really didn't do that. They didn't go after Orlando Brown or haven't yet and missed out at least on one of the tackles. So, um, uh, so that was probably the surprise, but again, you know, they, they also have the draft to worry about it. That's good. I think that's going to be an interesting thing not to ignore the guys they signed. But if you think you have Jalen Carter, you have a shot at Jalen Carter and they may have already written Jalen Carter off for all I know, but if you think you can get him, do you really, can you really sign a guy who's going to be a, a lock starter at three technique? I mean, you kind of can't, if you're going to uh, draft Peter Skaronsky or uh, who is it? Paris Johnson, Paris Johnson from Ohio State. From Ohio State, if you're going to draft one of those guys as a plug-and-play uh, tackle or guard, can you really sign Orlando Brown or the or or, or one of the or one of the you know top offensive linemen? So it's an interesting dance, and and uh, that uh, and and uh, for a guy like Poles who's been very cautious, I think at the very beginning, you know, this is they're so micro. This is so everything is just watched from the minute. It was like there was like this big disappointment, like the first hour. What are the Bears not doing? And I think I think this is I think this was a very calculated, um, disciplined approach uh, because as excited as we get over free agency, I know everybody says it. It just it, it can't be that big a deal. You can't you mm-hmm. just can't allow it to be. And uh, they didn't get nobody. And uh, they got two players, two two. De- uh, they got, a, I think, a, 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 an offensive line starter. Not sure where if that will be in 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 uh, if that's in place of uh, of Cody Whitehair or not. But um, they got an offensive line starter and two defensive starters. So um, the only question is, did they get bang for their buck? And yep. and a lot of that has to do with how other players on the defense perform. And some of those players are probably not on the team yet. And as you and I sit here right now, and this may be different by the time it reaches your ears. Uh, but Orlando Brown is still available. Dremont Jones, uh, the Broncos three technique is still available. Patsy, I'd argue to you that the Bears uh, defensive line and offensive line are so bad that they probably could afford to double up. Um, I don't know whether they could double up and pay somebody $120 million in the case of Orlando Brown. Well, that's, but, yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah you I think you need help. You can, I mean, um, yeah, you definitely need help. But I mean, like I said, you. Uh, you can't sign one guy who expects to start and then sign and then pick up a draft pick who doubles him, you know, at the same right. position. I mean, uh, you know, they know more about it than I do, but I, I'm just pointing out that I think they have to, con- with, uh, with still a top 10 pick, they still have to consider the draft as, po- as likely getting, uh, I mean, they, I think they need uh week one starter. So, so anyway, I'm just saying that's that I think that goes into their thinking. And I think maybe that's why people are disappointed. They didn't just jump right in. I think polls has been pretty, uh, pretty good about um, 
being real, being aggressive, but also not wanting to, to uh, overdo it, overplay his hand with all well, the cameras. And if you're a Bears fan who has spent literally the last year uh, believing that losing was more important than winning because it would help you in the upcoming offseason, whether it's because of the draft or, or because you've got a lot of cap space, um, I think you were probably lining yourself up for disappointment. I don't know what they could have done today that could have lived up to a year's worth of expectations. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds, I find really interesting though. Four years, $72 million, about 50 of it is guaranteed. Potsy, that's a lot of money. And it's a lot of money for, for no ball production. That's exactly where I'm going. And that is what I wrote about in the Sun-Times. And uh, that is up right now if you want to go uh, find it online or on your phone. But when Roquan Smith got traded, Matt Eberflus two days later said, we need ball production at that position. Now they've gone and given $72 million to somebody who plays that position and doesn't have the ball production that Roquan had, <laughs> much less the ball production. It's $2 uh, million less, Pat. They're giving yeah. away. It's two million less a year. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm not criticizing the the signing. I'm criticizing the rationalization and the and the explanation. I mean, you can't. Uh, you can't. It's hard to say, argue ball production for a guy who wants twenty million a year, and not only a guy. I mean, this was a team leader. If you saw the way that team kind of reacted once he was gone, you know that I think they realized that Roquan was a bigger factor in this team than than they thought. And so you can't say that and then and then give a guy 18. If they would have signed a guy for 12 or something, that's one thing. You know, that's that's different. But they signed a guy just for 18 who who had who had uh even less let across the board. You look at tackles, sacks, interceptions, uh take you know, yep. overall takeaways, whatever. It's it's he's a lesser version statistically. And probably otherwise uh, than uh, Roquan Smith. So that's fine if that's they just didn't like Roquan, I guess, and, and didn't think and they think this guy's worth. The other thing I heard was um, I think it was Albert Breer from and I think he's NFL Network. Uh, nope. Scheme S fit. Sports was, Illustrated. Oh, Sports, Sports Illustrated. Illustrated. Okay. That scheme fit is the big difference, and <laughs> and I, I totally don't understand that because Roquan, for a guy who only played eight games in a in a scheme that supposedly is not a good fit for him pretty productive he was on a pace for like you know uh what four interceptions five sacks i mean 160 something tackles i mean my point is he was really pretty productive in a scheme that supposedly that people are arguing people who know people are arguing is not a good is not a was not a perfect fit for him so if he was that good in eight games without any with with missing the first three weeks of training camp and no and and no uh, uh, preseason and just jumping right in there with a bad supporting cast and that productive, wouldn't you think he'd be even better once he got more familiar with your system or your scheme or whatever? I, my point is, if they like one guy better than the other, I have no problem with that. Just don't give me bad rationalizations, bad explanations, because the scheme fit does not fly just based on Roquan's production. Yeah, and I think you. I think you could argue that Eberflus might prefer a bigger player at weak side linebacker, which yeah, is, and that's fine. Which is what I, is, and that's, that's a different argument. Yeah. Whenever anybody uh, bad mouths Roquan Smith's ball production, I like to remind them that, you know, the bears finished with three wins last year. They would have finished with two wins last year. If Roquan Smith hadn't intercepted a pass in the final minutes of a game uh, against the Texans and yeah, set up a, and set up the game winner. Uh, what I find interesting, here's what I find interesting about Edmonds beyond the Roquan stuff though. You know, I think, like you said, uh, and like I wrote, it is it is not debatable 
that Roquan is more productive with the ball in getting the ball than than Edmonds. But Edmonds doesn't turn 25 until May, Potsy. He's, th- he's 13 months younger than Roquan Smith is. And, you know, if you believe in some of this, do, do you know what do you know what the relative athletic score is, Potsy? Uh, no. It's a, it's a way to measure athleticism. And I know 13 out of, months is not a big difference between two players, 26 and 25. Okay. I, I, I know that. All right. Well, you're talking about a 30 year old guy. It's like, uh, who's the defensive lineman? Is it Hargrave? Yeah. One of them. Hargrave 30. was 31. One yeah. of them's 30 or 31. One of them's 20. Well, if you want to win right now, which the 49ers do, I get them taking a chance in the 30 and the Bears not. Right. But 30 mm-hmm. and 26 or whatever is a much bigger difference than 20. Roquan's a young guy. He's going to be around for a long time. That's not the reason. No offense. Sorry, Pat. That's not the reason you take one over the other for 13 no. months. Well, I'd argue, I think one of the short NFL career, you don't do that. Okay. Can I finish my sentence? Yes, you can. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This relative athletic score thing essentially measures how athletic you are. And when he came out of Virginia tech, uh, he got a score that made him 48th out of almost 1800 linebackers who had come out of the draft in the previous 31 years. This is a guy whose athleticism is rare. His size is rare. 6'5", 260 at that position doesn't exist very many places. Um, maybe his maybe maybe the argument for the Bears is you're betting that his production catches up with those things um, rather than looking back and, and trying to say he was more productive than Roquan was. Do, do the Bills have access to relative athletic, whatever that thing is? Yes, they do. Or, or only the Bears do? do only the no, Bears no, no. Everybody does. Oh, oh everybody. Okay, okay. Well, then. <laughs> Well, who's been more astute? Who who do you think who's been pretty astute about you know athlete about the athletes and players over like the last five years? I think the Bills were pretty good, right? So they made a judgment. Now maybe they were in such a bind, I don't know, with all the contracts that they just could not keep this guy. But my point is, if he was, if it's that, if the upside is that big, again, you as you've pointed out many times, guys like this don't guys that good who are that good in general don't get to uh, don't get the free agency. But anyway, no. I'm being argumentative and I apologize for that. But no, but I'm, never been, never but apologize. But I'm being skeptical. And also, you don't know for both these guys, Edwards and Edmonds. And I'm asked this, uh, I, I, I just, it, it, I'm not sure how to phrase it, but are they, are they the rising tide in their defenses or are they the boats that were lifted by the rising tide? You know what okay. I'm saying? They yeah, both that's a good question. really good defenses. And I think you really have to understand are the because a lot of times a guy will be good in a good defense, and sometimes he he blossoms, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that was the Pernell McPhee uh, theory. Remember that? Mm-hmm. You yep. know, he was a bit player in the in the Ra- Ravens defense, and he would blossom, and he didn't really. I mean, he couldn't stay healthy, but he really but but anyway, the point is sometimes guys uh like like these guys, um they they blossom, but sometimes they don't because they're right. part, of, part of it. So I guess the question is, you know, and that's what I'm not asking that skeptically even. I'm just wondering. I mean, is that I don't I don't even know. Um, right. Well, I, mean, did, I trust I, I I trust Paul's judgment. I mean, I I, I mean, um, if he thinks this guy is good, so I'm not saying that they made the wrong move, but I, but I am wondering to what extent is a guy, especially Edwards, is he mm-hmm. um, is he just a byproduct of a really good defense, and uh, mm-hmm. he'll be in a better Bears defense this year, but not as good as. Phillies, I don't think. He's an interesting study in that, you know, he's the middle linebacker on the NFC champion. You know, he was also playing on a one-year deal, you know, and at this time last year, <laughs> wasn't getting the attention that, that he did uh, now. You know, some of the scouting reports you read say that he's, he's not great in coverage. Um, and, you know, obviously in the modern NFL, that's a problem. 
but you know, you said it, I mean, the bills, you know, two years ago were the best defense in football bar none uh, this year. They were top five. The Eagles were top five. They led the league in, in sacks. Uh, you could argue that they were probably the best team, you know, uh, their defense got them uh, pretty far. Uh, and if you're taking some of that culture and some of that secret sauce with you, when you walk out the door, maybe that helps the bears, you know, they're not yep. coming, they're not coming from, you know, programs that have been as bad as the bears have been. Uh, maybe that's helpful. I want to get back to Roquan real quick and then I'll drop it. Can I just make one real quick point before you do? Because to this point, I think Trevathan is a guy who came over from a good defense and I think was better than advertised or as good as advertised in this similar situation. That's an example of somebody who came in and you could have said, yeah, he was a leading tackler, but was it really because of Von Miller or because of all the other good players they had on their defense? And he was, I think, every bit as good, if not better, on the Bears. So there there are examples of guys who are – Fit, I guess I'm talking more. I guess, I guess Edmonds is a little bit ahead, uh, is a notch above, but more about Edwards as far as being being a uh, product. They're being a productive player. But anyway, go ahead about Roquan. Point taken. Um, with Roquan, is it possible that the X factor in all of this, when we sit there and go, well, it doesn't make sense to con- to consider Edmonds a better player than Roquan? You know, why would they give him this money when they wouldn't give Roquan that? Is it possible that the X factor is that Roquan represented himself, didn't have an agent, and the whole thing was just bizarre and not fruitful as a result. I don't know if that directly was, but I think that was maybe part of something that they just found distasteful and for lack of a better, literally letter, lack of a better word, of a, a, a better way of putting it, that they just, you know, that they, he just wasn't their guy. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of is that, you know, Roquan has some uh, peculiarities, I guess, or you know, whatever you want to quirkiness, whatever. Um, but he always produced, but yeah, maybe he just, I, I don't know how else to put it. Maybe he just wasn't their kind of guy or their, you know, um, I even go back to like uh, the distant, how distant I always, this is a really small thing and maybe nothing, but to me it is, I'm sensitive to these things, how distant Poles even was when he referred to, we really liked the player. He referred to his best, one of the best players in the NFL, one of the team's best player, the heart and soul of the defense. He always heard as the player, like it was just kind of distant to me. And like, I just never got the feeling that they were really in love with this guy. Like everybody else was. Um, and, and so I think, I guess my point is, I just think, yeah, there's no way to really say we don't like them. So they have to come up with a rationalization, like ball, like scheme fit. I, they didn't say scheme fit, but I think, I think ball production was theirs, but they have to come, but, but really, I think what it comes down to is they just, you know, he just wasn't their kind of guy. And, 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 and the, and the Ravens defense does seem to fit him better, even though the bears are in nickel all the time i mean you know there's two linebackers on the field all in both defenses all the time there's still something about both defenses the way they're set up that that i have to admit one sure seems to fit uh roquan uh as maybe a little bit better or maybe more better significantly better i don't know i haven't got uh, uh and we'll leave you with this potsy i haven't gotten a chance to talk to you about at least on uh with the tape recorder running i've been talked to you about your thoughts on uh, Friday's trade when the Bears moved down from one to nine. I think you did a good job in, in your column for the Sunday paper, laying out all the other times that Bears GMs made what fans thought were was the perfect trade and how that didn't really work. Um, with all of that as prelude, uh, how do you think polls did? And, and more importantly, is it a trade you would have made? I think it's interesting. Uh, it was interesting. The timing was interesting. It was weird because... He got enough that you can't really say he didn't get enough. I mean, mm-hmm. I think he got enough, but it was so early in the process 
that you almost have to think, wow, could he have gotten more? Because there's so much time. There's so much time for other teams. Like the team he traded with hadn't even defined the quarterback they wanted. They just know <laughs> they're going to get a quarterback. The, I think I think you max out on a deal like that when somebody knows they have to get Bryce Young and they are that desperate to get him. So the process didn't play out. We're always going to wonder, could he have gotten more? But he got enough that I think more than enough. Getting the getting a proven player like DJ Moore just really is a clincher. I think that was for him. I think that that determined whether he did that pull the trigger or not because he got a player that was that he couldn't get in certainly in free agency. I don't think in free agency and, and maybe not the draft. So the other thing is, I don't know how it, fa- I, I, the, the big, there are two big factors in trading the pick. One is, do you drop below four and pre uh, before uh, Jalen Carter's incident in Georgia arrest? Um, do you, do you drop below four and, 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 and not get one of the two players who will be, who have a great chance to be uh, uh, you know, really good players or what they did is they set themselves up for the future. You know, they have a draft pick next year that they can, it, with, with that with their own pick, they can turn into a top five pick to get uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., who's supposed to be better than anybody, any player, any individual player in this draft. Who knows if it'll turn out like that? Or one of the quarterbacks. So those were, there were, those were their two things. If you're looking just in a vacuum this year, you regret not being able to get uh, a Carter or Will Anderson, and they still could get Carter, I guess, as it turns out. Um, but on the other hand, you're set up, you're better set up for, for next year. So I guess my take on it is, is that a deal I would do? Yeah, I would take, I would take the burden hand, uh, with, uh, with, uh, with, with the, what he got out of that, because I think, the, I think, uh, having a wide receiver who, um, like you, you know, you pointed out, everybody's pointed out who, you know, did pretty well without really having anything that the bears don't have. It's not like you're expecting somebody to, you know, uh, to now to, to do better than they did in a, in a lesser offense. Uh, I just think that was, yeah, I think that was the right move, but I have to admit uh, it was so early in the process. And I think the earliest, of, uh, of number one pick has ever been traded. Yeah. Relative to the draft that, that you're always going to wonder that, but again, you, the, what'll solve that is how well he does with the picks. You know, if you get the mm-hmm. right guys, it's not really going to matter. Yeah. DJ Moore would have been the best receiver on the open market. So, uh, I think that that's, that's helpful to look at it that way. Uh, yeah, yeah also- I, mean, I don't mean to interrupt, but you know, the other thing about DJ, he's such a he's such a kind of receiver. I always ask questions like when, when we talk to like the receivers coaches and stuff like that about like how do guys get open? How, what's the difference between one guy? You know, what's what's short area quickness? What's DJ Moore is a guy who knows how to get open. You know, what I'm saying I watch highlights of him and he's he gives them what they really don't have. Mm-hmm. And I know he's not like he might not even be Stephon Diggs. He's and he's not no. Jefferson or whatever, nope. but Absolutely I think, he's, I think it's funny. I know I'm getting off on a tangent, but like some will say, yes, yeah, so-and-so is an upgrade. Well, an upgrade for the bears doesn't really, isn't really generally is not good because it doesn't take much to upgrade. You know what I'm saying? Right. You need good. You need good. I think Joe, I think DJ Moore is an upgrade and good. I guess that way mm-hmm. I would make that distinction. Yeah. And I also look at it kind of like a baseball lineup too, is, you know, I would rather have Darnell Mooney hitting second and chase Claypool hitting third than, Darnell Mooney leading off and Chase Claypool hitting second. You know, everybody kind of falls into maybe their uh, maybe their more natural spot uh, rather than having them yeah. play up a yeah. spot or two in and, the order. And the big question is: does does is Chase Claypool, who I think has a wide receiver's ego, is he okay with a number two spot? I think he sees himself as the number one guy. I think that's one reason why he he kind of pushed his way out of uh, Pittsburgh is because he didn't like the role he was in. Now he's you know he's the kind of I always say you know I I I just feel like. 
uh, from what I saw, I just feel like he's the kind of guy who will, uh, Darnell Mooney, you know, will do whatever they tell him to do. But uh, Claypool will be an interesting, interesting dynamic. And when you, as long as you, since you mentioned that idea of the, the pecking order, uh, right. he can be really, really productive. But will he be happy being in that role? You know, it's not unusual for a wide receiver to kind of face that dilemma. He tweeted an hour ago, Potsy, Chase Claypool did, someone give polls the key to the city. So uh, he seems happy with what's going he on. He knows how to say the right things. <laughs> he uh, does. Right. Remember right after that blow up on the sideline, he right. said, well, it's because I want to win, you know. So he knows. You know that's that's part of the, that's all that's all part of the act as far as I'm concerned. Not that that he's a not a, a a genuine guy, but I'm just saying I just think he's that kind of he's he's a wide receiver's wide receiver. He can give you great production, but boy, uh, you got to keep him happy, and 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 that'll be an interesting thing to watch uh, this season: his production and how he handles it and what he wants out of it. There'll be a lot of interesting stuff to watch, Potsy, uh, both during the season and during the upcoming week. Or two, I'm sure we will be back talking about it here fairly soon. But until then, uh, you can follow Jason Leisure, who is uh, far afield, and Mark Potash and myself on Twitter. You can check us out on the Sun-Times website or pick up a paper if you live in town. Uh, but uh, Potsy, uh, back to the free agent grind. For all we know, something huge is going to happen here in two minutes and render all of this irrelevant, but uh, hopefully not. Something might have already happened while we were talking that we're totally missing and uh, and blowing it, Pat. So I've I've had my phone in my hand the whole time, Patsy. Oh, okay. uh, I think we're okay. You. I can't. Uh, <laughs> I can't. Do, I can't do work like that. For Mark okay, Potash, Pat. for Mark Potash, I'm Patrick Finley. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back again real soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.